<laughs> Amen. Thank you, Dave. We have a lot of memories that are very precious to us. And uh, Katie, Katie's being here and was, uh, was a great part of that. I can still see over here Katie and Melford and, and Reverend Alva uh, sitting with Lucy. And uh, we, just, uh, we just thank the Lord for all that we have. There's the great cloud of witnesses that we've talked about before. And that's their part of that. Over on that side was Dewey. And, and remember him holding his hand up, getting blessed as Bonnie sang. And, and uh, you know, there's uh, uh, Harold Bible. Got up, went back to the uh, uh, sound booth. My first Sunday I was here. And, and I'm watching him because this new preacher here at Calvary. And the first thing he did was... My sound man has hearing aids. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> this morning I want to talk to you about uh, called to be holy. And we're going to look at a couple of verses and some other verses in the middle of this. But a very important message for us, especially as a, as a holiness church in, in a holiness denomination. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 Verses 15 and 16 reads this way. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you the glory and the thanks and the praise for, for all that we have. The Lord, that you have blessed us beyond measure in the memories that we have of loved ones that are now standing in your presence. And, we, and as Dave sang the song, that, and that we're going to join them in praise around the altar and, and Lord, around the throne. And we, we just thank you. We give you the glory and we give you thanks, Lord, in these words and this message. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who have kids or have had kids, I want to ask, do you remember when they were little and you envisioned all that they could be? Do you remember those days when you, when you thought about all that they could be? And you never pictured your kids as being average, right? Normal, yeah, yeah, you want a normal. But, uh, but you didn't want them to be average, right? You wanted to, to, to be above it. You had high expectations. Amen? And uh, for what your child would be or could be. And uh, if they played hockey, for example, they'd be the next Wayne Gretzky. If they sang a song, they would be on your playlist, on your iTunes uh, list there. And you encouraged them that they could be the best that they could be if they would just try and, and do their best. When they hit the wrong note or they sang off key or scored on their own team, you took it as a personal affront, you know, but you didn't want to show that. But you continued to encourage them, just do your best. Just do your best. But your version of their best and their version of their best 
uh, sometimes it was two different things. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with having high expectations for your kids. Old Testament, way back in the, old, old, in the OT, God set the bar fairly high for his people, the people of Israel. And he tells them through his prophet Isaiah, these words in Isaiah chapter 62, he, he says, the Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth, say to daughter Zion, see your savior comes, see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after. The city no longer deserted. Wow. Have you ever felt sometimes like you've ever received a, a mission impossible and you're waiting for the tape, tape recorder to burn up in, the, in a cloud of smoke? This, this recording will, will destroy and self-destruct in five seconds. It's a mission impossible. A goal that's just too great. That's just, uh, you know... Uh, just too far away for you to hit. And I wonder if that's how the people of Israel felt as Isaiah spoke to them when they heard him make this proclamation. And before that, there were other proclamations that were made. As we, we read from 1 Peter chapter 1, that was a quote from the book of Leviticus. Moses writes way back in the beginning. You see, it's one thing to be called a chosen people or a special people, even a redeemed people. But what is this holy people thing that Isaiah is speaking of? What is this a holy people? What does that mean? A people redeemed by the Lord. And uh, to me, if I was one of them or at that time, I would, I would probably think, well, that's a, that's a pretty heavy thought. That's a pretty heavy thought to be a chosen people and be one of them. And for for us today, well, we probably sit back in our pews and our seats at home or we're doing our devotions. Well, yeah, but, but that was that was for the Israelites. Well, look again at the scripture. I think I've got it up here. Yeah, at the top. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written... Be holy because I'm holy. That, now that's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. That you must be holy in everything you do. Because you're a chosen people. And he goes on in that chapter. Uh, and a royal priesthood. He even goes deeper in that description. Peter does in 1 Peter chapter 1. A people called to be holy. Now the Greek word that Peter used here is hagios. And it means sacred, which would be physically pure, morally blameless, and religiously and ceremonially consecrated or set aside. This is what it's to be used for. Be that. Be that. What do you think? That's a pretty accurate description of you, right? That's a pretty accurate description of us, right? I'll join in here. No, no. In 2020, too many Christians think that holiness is just for certain people. That's for that group of people. They're the super saints. 
and they would never think of themselves as a holy people. And instead they figure that, is, that the super saint list is pretty small and they're not on it. And if you're a super saint, it certainly comes with age. And I'm too young you know, to be a super saint. I haven't been around long enough, but had experience enough to be that super saint or that person who is holy. But you, each one of you, each one of us that makes up Calvary Nazarene Church are called to be holy people. And do you remember what, what Peter said? Uh, he makes a statement, you must be holy in all you do. Not some of what you do, not part of what you do, not most of what you do, not what you do on Sunday mornings between 9.30 and noon, but everything you do, it is set aside for God. You're doing it as unto the Lord. And that's another part of Scripture uh, that, uh, that uh, Paul talks to us about in Corinthians. In what you do with your family, what to do uh, with your work or in school, and what you do for recreation, what do you do with your spare time, what you do with your spiritual life. Most of us would have been more comfortable if Peter had uh, written, be mediocre in everything you do, or be average in everything you do, or, or you know what? God would say, just try your best, and you'll get through. And... Uh, and if that was God is if that's what God intended to do, then he would have had Isaiah write, and they shall be an ordinary people. That's not what he wrote. That's not what he wrote. Because that's not what God intends for us to be as a believer. Well, we can say, well, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going, but it's more than that. It's more than that. We accept the Lord and we, we become a believer in Christ and we're and in in that condition we are saved. But God calls us to go deeper, to to move in that experience and to, to be holy in all that we do. We're talking to the saved. We're talking to the saved uh, after you've made that step of salvation uh, to, to consider the fact that you need to Go deeper in your walk in, in, with God and with the Lord. And uh, God would not, if he would have meant for us to, to think, well, be ordinary in all you do. Just try your best. Just do the best thing you can do. And, well, you know, some, somehow you'll get through. Uh, he would not have written in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be mediocre. No, he says to be holy. And then this next part of that verse, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now that's kind of in your face. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. For those who are not holy, they will not see the Lord. Now I know that you're sitting there thinking, well, uh, you know, well, he doesn't mean that. He, that's not what he means. Okay, okay, so what does he mean? What does he mean? So here's the question for today. If God 
has called us to be a holy people, and it would appear that he has, and if those who are not holy will not see the Lord, then what is this holiness thing, and how in the world can we possibly be holy? Now, you probably heard the story of, a, of the man who, uh, uh, who had a big chunk of marble, and uh, he was going to carve an elephant. He told the people, or he told this, uh, especially this one person in the story, I'm going to carve an elephant. And his friend asked him, how are you going to do that? How are you going to go about doing that? And then he replied, by chipping away the bits that don't look like an elephant. That'll leave me with an elephant. Now that's what we need to do with our life. So we need to figure out what we aren't called to, to do before we figure out what this holiness thing is that we're called to do. And it leads me to point number two, of course. Uh, uh, your calling is not static. You're called to change. You're called to move. And one of the basic tenets of a Christian life is that God expects us to continue to grow. And as we grow, He expects more of us, right? As God's child, just as with your children, you expected more of your, your, your child when they grew up and got older than, they, than when they were, were an infant, right? God is doing the same thing here. And so the actions that permitted us to live a holy life a week after we became a Christ follower may not meet the criteria a year later. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm sure that we've all seen people who've grown out of their pant length. You ever seen that? I don't think I can do that here. Raise it. You ever seen people walk around with their three inches of their socks showing? And you, you wonder, you wonder what, what in the world were they thinking when they put those pants on? You know, first of all, and, and uh, uh, I don't know what they're called now, but when we were in school, they were, they were uh, high water pants. Yeah, you know, flood. We had a, a boy in quizzing. His, his nickname was High Water. So, uh, I don't know what I don't know what church he went to, but he was every quiz, huh? Doesn't matter. <laughs> He's not a teen anymore, so I won't. But he would every quiz he was at, you know. And Tim was in charge, and this boy's walking around with his boy. His pants were up there, you know. And you're thinking, what are you what are you thinking here? But uh, uh, there's no doubt that those pants fit at one time, right? But uh, they don't fit anymore. And uh, because as, as he grew, as this boy I'm using in this illustration, as he grew, his pants didn't grow with him. But he still wore those suckers, you know, and they were on there. John writes in 1 John 1, 7. Uh, did I put that up there? That wasn't up there, okay. Your call is not static. <laughs> we're called to grow. And uh, as we grow, he expects more of us. Okay, but uh, um, you got that written down? Okay. <clears throat> First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from what? All sin. 
Now there's, there's a verb, as, uh, as I pointed out here. An action word, this verb, uh, walk. It doesn't say if you stand in the light or, or sit in the light. Uh, John writes, if, if we walk in the light as, as, as he is in the light, uh, Jesus says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is the light. And we're to walk in the light, right? Now, if we're walking in the light, we're, we're, walking, we're walking and he's leading us. And he's guiding us because he is the light, right? So as we... As we move around, we move in the light, we walk in the light, God is the light, Jesus, or Jesus is the light, and he's showing us the light. We step, when we see that light, we step into it. What does it tell us in uh, Psalm 119? Thy word is a, a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And I, I take that to mean that you've got a light here in the darkness of the world around us, and you can only see one step ahead of you, you're going to go, you're going to take that step. And you're going to move that direction. That's what his word is. His word shows us which direction to go. Okay? So as we move, uh, we, we, the light's moving with us. Right? Now, if... Uh, but what happens if we stop moving? The light keeps going. Right? If I'm stopping in the light, the light's going to move. He still wants us to go. The light goes on without us. And we, I take from that that holiness is not a past tense. It's future and present. And it's not something we've done. It's something that we're doing. And those of us in the holiness movement talk about progressive holiness. That we move with the light. We move in progression we grow as we become older believers, older Christians, into what, we're, what, we, what we learn, we do. He shows us. It's not, holiness is not something we did yesterday. It's what we're doing today and what we're going to do tomorrow or where we might be tomorrow. We grow. The old adage... Uh, uh, the, the person that gives wisdom nowadays, <clears throat> Loretta Lynn, she said, you've got to continue to grow or else you're just like last night's cornbread, stale and dry. Right? We, we've got to grow. We've got to move. The whole of Christ for the whole of your life. <clears throat> and finally, the call to holiness is your calling to wholeness. John Wesley said, Holiness is having the mind that was in Christ and walking as Christ walked. Please don't ever think, don't ever think that holiness is simply an option in your Christian walk. Holiness is not an option in your Christian walk. Holiness is the pivotal point on which the whole of Christianity turns. That's what holiness is. It's not just, you know, here's, your, here's the a la carte menu. Uh, you, uh, you're a believer in Christ now, and we're going to give you the a la carte, and you can pick from uh, sitting still or 
moving forward with God and holiness or not holiness. No. Holiness is central to who we are as believers, each and every one of us. Holiness is the central covenant and command of Scripture. God will not tolerate our indifference to this command. Be holy for I am holy. Be separate because I am separate. Worship me as, as, as God instead of the other gods that you can make with your hands and see and as an idol. The Bible, the word of God, records over 600 instances where either the word holy or holiness is used. That in itself should be indicative of the importance that God puts on holiness. Ephesians 1.4, for example, tells us, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I can't do that on my own. You can't do that on your own. You need his help. You need his help. Every person who claims, or who, every person who responds to the claims of the gospel responds as well to the claims of holiness. It's one and the same. All too often we think of someone who is holy, we think of St. Francis of Assisi or John Wesley or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. But if we believe the Bible, then we have to believe that holiness is what God desires and requires of all of us. And if God desires and requires it, then God will give us the wherewithal to, to achieve it. Right? He's not going to tell you to be this and, and giggle and laugh because you'll never be that. He's going to give you the power and the ability to reach for that. I'm going to use all my metaphors here, okay? Uh, because when you get right down to it, right down to brass tacks, right down to where the rubber meets the road, right down to basics, okay? Holiness can be defined in one word, obedience. That's what it is. <clears throat> obedience. God wants his children to be obedient. And not, I'm, I'm obedient because, not that I have to be, I want to be. God loves us, gave himself for us. When I embrace all of what that is inside, I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to, 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 uh, to do what, what he says in his word. And our, our inclination, the, what's inside of us, our, that, that, old, that old man, that human nature, that, that, uh, Original sin. We want to push the envelope as far as possible. And, and, you know, I'm going to try my best. And if I blow it, then I can ask for forgiveness, right? Well, yes and no. You need to, you can stay on top of it. One writer, Jerry Bridges, he wrote the book uh, Pursuit of Holiness. And he writes this. He says, it's time for us Christians to face up to our responsibility for holiness. Too often we say we're defeated by this or that sin. No, we're not defeated. We're simply disobedient. It might, be, it might be well if we stopped using the terms victory and defeat to describe our progress in holiness. Rather, we should use the terms obedience and disobedience. And then he finishes that paragraph with this. And so, 
Our Christian life comes a full circle. It begins with obedience, depends on obedience, and results in obedience. <clears throat> and then Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Loving God, really loving God, not just mamby-pamby, wishy-washy, yeah, I love God, I'm sure I do, yeah, yeah. But really serious, honest to goodness, Love for God means obeying God no matter what that cost may be. And I do that, again, because I love Him. He'll even help you find your lost cell phone. <laughs> Amen. He helps us in what we need. And he, the reverse is also true. If we don't obey His commandments, then we don't love Him. That's what Jesus is saying, right? But how do you get to that point? that you place obedience to God over personal gain or obedience to God over personal comfort or, or personal desire. Well, Paul gives a great example and advice in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. How holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is what you need to be doing. It's what he's basically saying. And if we were to read the text in the message, this is kind of fun to do sometimes. Uh, Eugene Peterson writes it this way. Uh, he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That's, that's pretty good advice. I don't know if it goes right along with, with what the Greek text says, but that's good advice. Bottom line is this. <clears throat> you need to sell out to God. That's what holiness, sanctification is all about. I sell out to God. Everything. Ruth, if you'll come, and everybody else was going to stand... I want to read this, you know, what I wrote out here, and to think about this, and that standing up, get your focus away from whatever you're scribbling on a piece of paper, and you're looking around, or a couple of you woke up just now, a couple of you still asleep. Uh, you take everything you have, ambition, work, hobbies, house, car, family, pride, and everything you are, and you pile it up before God, and when you get everything on the pile, you find a ladder, and you climb on top of the pile, and you say, okay, Lord, I'm yours. We're going to think about this. We're going to sing two verses of uh, I Surrender All. That's what that's all about. I Surrender All, Everything. If you'd like to come up and pray, that's what the altar's for. If not, we're going to close in prayer from where you're standing. But singing a couple of verses, thinking about this pile you've made of everything you are, everything you own, and put yourself on top of that pile. Okay, Lord, I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I have is yours. So let's sing this song. All to Jesus I surrender. Oh, to Him I pray.
Father, we thank you this morning. We give to you everything we are, everything we have, everything we own. Not just when things are bad and somebody's sick or we're going through a tough time. We give to you everything every day. In everything we do, as that verse tells us, we want to do it unto you. And Father, we, we thank you that you provide for us a, a, way to, a way to live a life blameless in your sight. We can do that if we would just put our faith and our trust in you every day. We give you everything, Lord. We surrender all. We ask, Lord, for you to receive this, this sacrifice that we're making. A sacrifice, as it tells us in Romans 12.1, that's holy and, and pleasing to you. And Father, we thank you for those who are here this morning. We thank you, Lord, uh, as we record this. Lord, for all those who are listening that you would just accept our sacrifice. Be with us in all that we do. Help us, Lord. And we look to each other. We look to our brothers and sisters in the, in the church, in the pews, and we receive encouragement to live this holy life. That's what we're here for, is to pray for each other and encourage each other as we, as we walk this walk. Lord, we thank you. We love you. You have provided it all. Be with us as we go. We do again pray for our, our, uh, our vacation Bible school meeting at 5 o'clock. Lord, help us to all get involved to see these boys and girls in these doors and do our part, each one of us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...